Alrighty, ready to start? Yeah. Um, before we do, there's I want to push this button on my audio equipment. I've been like wondering what it does for so long. So um, let's just find out. Okay. Can you hear me now? Whoa. Cool. Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me is a man who sounds better than ever. It's almost like he's sitting right next to me but isn't, Zach Mabry. Zach, what's up? Hello, world. Look at that. Hello, world. What a great introduction, because we are blasting this out to the world. I know. I'm optimistic about how many people will hear this uh, fantastic episode. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be great. If you listen to it and you want to tweet us, you can find us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach was once at and will be in the future at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C Mabry. Email us podcast at romancircusblog.com. Find us on iTunes, rate and review us if you want. You can also find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and most everywhere where there are podcasts, which is most everywhere. All right, Zach, what's going on? Uh, How's the social media fast going? Any update on that front? Um, You know, it's pretty good. I had been saying all along I logged back in August 1st, and now I'm like, hmm... August 1st-ish, how about that? Because it's, uh, I don't know, it's nice taking a break, I have to say. Ah, yes, I'm very jealous. I spend most of my time, uh, you know, liking and retweeting, and I'm not seeing the world around me, Zach. I don't don't know what's going on. I've lost touch with reality. It's true you have, after after our brief convo before we started recording. Yeah. Um, Can you uh, fill me in? What's going on in the news? Do you have any news headlines for me? Well, so that's the hardest thing about not having Twitter is that that was my main source of news. I mean, I read uh, the New York Times when I have time, but other than that, I get my news from Twitter. Zach, please call it yeah. by its proper name, the failing New York Times. The failing New York Times, yes. I um, I subscribed for like $8 a month, mm-hmm. and they were like, this deal is about to expire. And then for a year after that they would run tweets saying subscribe at half price you know time's running out and I was like come on guys like you hard sold me and now you're still offering the same deal I feel like if that's not fake news what is I know right yeah for some real news uh, there's a lot going on in the world Um, a big one is that the Supreme Court of California seems to have struck down the uh, three state measure that was going to be on the ballot in November so y'all are not that. going to be voting to split. How do you, uh, as a Californian, as a Californian, how do you uh, <laughs> feel about this? Um, well, I had heard that this was a possibility, and I completely forgot about it until I heard that it's not going to happen anymore. I don't know how much it would have actually affected my life. I would like to think it would, but... I probably would have just gone on with my day and continued to do the same exact stuff I do every day, Zach. Just I would have done it in what I assume is the bottom of the three states. 
South California, Southern California? Yeah. So, so um, would it be Southern California has Bakersfield? Isn't that your family's town? Yes, yes. It's my field. It's the entire hey. the entire field. It belongs to me. So would it be Northern California, then just California, and then Southern California, or would it be Northern California, Central California, Southern California? So it legit was going to be Northern California, Southern California, and then California. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So the split would have been sort of interesting. Um, let's see. How would the counties have been grouped? So Northern California obviously would have had the Bay Area mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, Southern, uh, Southern California would have gone from San Diego and Orange County, north past Fresno to Madera County, California, mm-hmm. and from Los Angeles along the coast to Monterey. Northern California, covering all areas from Santa Cruz to the Oregon border. Okay. Great. Oh, no, you're right. Sorry. California would be Los Angeles to Monterey. So you would be in California. Oh, good. Good. I That would... Uh... It would be good because I, then I wouldn't have to learn anything new when I talk to people about where I live. Right, yeah, you wouldn't have to learn a new spelling or change initials or uh, right. anything. They the weird thing is, like, this it, tiny sliver of, of California, California is much smaller than the rest of it, mm-hmm. but it's got almost the same number of people. So it would be, like, 12 million, and then the other two would each have, you know, between 13 and 14 million. Okay, apiece. good. So, very, very good, very good. All right. Next well, time, guys. Next time. Yeah, it's nice to know that I don't have to worry about that. Any uh, anything else I need to worry about, Zach? Well, we have a strict rule about not talking about what an idiot Elon Musk is, so there's plenty that we won't be talking about <laughs> this week. Okay. Um, but for good news, a record was recently broken, and I think we'd all been watching this really closely. If I know our listeners and you personally, uh, the world record for slicing watermelons on your stomach in one minute. Okay. Yes, this man, uh, Ashrita Furman, is uh, now the world record holder. He sliced 26 watermelons on his stomach in just uh, one minute. So he's going to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. And uh, it reminds me, did you ever play that game? Like, what was it called? Like Fruit Slasher or uh, Oh yes, Fruit yes. Ninja? Uh, Do you know what I'm talking fruit, about? Yeah, it's the one where you drag your finger along and it slices the fruit. Yes. Yes. And it's like you're not supposed to slice something. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it's yeah, it was uh my friend was actually really good at that. It was kind of scary. It uh it was yeah, I don't know. It was good. Uh, do the kids still play it? Do the kids like the video games these days still, Zach? Are they just the Fortnite? What's the deal? I don't know what Fortnite is. I've only I can't even decide if I'm supposed to like pretend to like it or pretend not to like it. I'm <laughs> yeah. definitely not going to play it. Fruit Ninja is what you were thinking of. Yes, Fruit Ninja, not Fortnite. Right. Okay. Yes, so, and, uh, so far, n- nobody on the Roman Circus podcast has been tricked by Sasha Baron Cohen, who's uh, back out on the loose, tricking people left and right. Yeah, is that... I I mean, I don't know if you ever watched the Ali G show, Zach, but... I did not. I, I pretty much think it's amazing. Um... Yeah, it's pretty great. I uh, he's back at it with his new show, and I, I don't know. He tricks Sarah Palin into thinking he's like a military guy. That's the big buzz on the street. Like everyone was kind of upset about that. Which I don't know where to fall. Like 
Like, I guess I should be upset about that, but also I'm not quite sure. What did she do? Give him, like, the discount on her book? Or what What did... Yeah. When he tricked her, like, how did that... What happened? I guess he was asking her what appeared to be, like, kind of racisty questions just to see if he could get her to agree with them. Um, I don't... From what I understand, it didn't sound like she took the bait. So, but she got actually got up and walked out. So, I don't know. It's probably one of those things where whenever it comes out, it won't be as bad as the outrage surrounding it, right? Oh, right. It's kind of like, I haven't seen this much outra- outrage since yesterday. Right. Yeah. I but- think my favorite thing about Sarah Palin was how she kind of comes out and people are all excited because she's a hockey mom and she has all those children. And then, what, like two years later, she's quipping in the government and puts out a weight loss book or something. (laughs) So uh, it's amazing when that stuff happens. And, you know, I don't know. I just remember being very confused. I was like 18. And uh, what was it? John McCain brings out this like random lady from Alaska. And then now she's like reality TV famous. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. I I was actually remember I was playing tennis that night with a buddy. And he's like, what do you think about Sarah Palin? I was like, I I mean, it's just a person I found out existed today, so I'm not really sure what opinion I should have on this. But yeah, I'm glad. You know, I'm glad she's doing well. All you know, much health and love to her entire family. Oh, of course. And uh, hopefully, the uh, weight loss books go go good. Oh, for sure. Is that is that what but we you know, got uh, in the news? Is that is that the hard hitting news of the day? Um, yeah, I skimmed through, and that's all that really seemed to uh, jump out at me. There's a bunch of stuff about Trump. Everyone's freaking out. You know, evergreen comment. I try not to follow it. <laughs> Have you heard about this Trump? This Donald Trump? This Don You hear Trump? about that guy? This guy Trump? Trump? You heard about him? Okay. Well, Actually, one quick Trump thing that I think maybe our listeners will be interested in sure. is that he did break a record. He's broken the record for the most number of circuit judges confirmed in the first two years. So he's had 23 circuit court judges confirmed, um, and the, the old record was President George H.W. Bush, who had 22. Um, okay. And I think a lot of people who were not so caught up in the hysteria were either voting against Trump or for Trump specifically because of the courts, and right. so obviously that's kind of an important thing. And, and then, of course, we know we've got a Supreme Court spot open because um, Kennedy you know, is out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, you know, people like you read the failing New York Times, so you live in your you live in your little bubble, Zach. You got to get out of that bubble. I know. I am kind of attached to my bubble, aren't I? <laughs> you are. Hey. Well, that's a good segue. Look at that. It's not only do you sound more clear, but our segues are on fire. We're Very gonna... smooth segue, I'm aware. Zach, we're going to talk about attachment and detachment today because it is very important and it's not a thing that I knew existed until a few years ago but it is could be the number one hindrance to the spiritual life would you agree outside of you know sin right as far as okay so if we're not talking about things that are actually outright sins it's probably the biggest hindrance because right. we're saying pride's a sin, right? Cause seven, so, yeah, I would say attachment, and it's sort of the root of most sin. Right. So let's uh, 
Shall we give a um, definition of our terms here before we bust off into a bunch of Roman circus babble? I mean, we can try. Well, so basically a disordered attachment is an emotional dependence on some person, object, or activity. Okay? So, Mm -hmm. and it disordered is always placed before attachment because... If you're properly detached, then you have, then you're ordered in your, <laughs> in your like emotional state towards this object. It sounds like a very confusing way of putting it, but does it, did that make sense? Um, you know, I think so. Okay. I mean, basically, um, another word for detachment is holy indifference, right? Right. So I would think if you didn't have a holy indifference towards something, um, you would be attached. And I think it's important to remember the word holy there because, you know, holy means we're talking about essentially, you know, to be holy is to kind of be set aside, to be, you know, special for God. So it's a holy indifference, not like a cold, um, you know, hateful indifference. Mm -hmm. And it basically is the uh, withholding of affection from creatures to God alone. So we're attached to God, and God is what we desire. Right. And everything in the created order, we're, we hold a certain amount of detachment, of indifference towards those things. Right. It sounds... So initially when I was told about the ideas of detachment and attachment it sounds very cold right mm-hmm. it sounds like you're just kicking everything to the curb and you don't really care for anything at all but what it is is it's just properly ordered like you you can love someone but you have to realize at the end of the day you have to have that properly ordered love like you a husband can love their wife, but they can't cling to this wife and say, like, if you ever leave me, I'm going to die. Or if you ever leave me, I'm going to go and uh, shoot up a strip mall or something like that. Like, that's an unhealthy and obviously extreme attachment. But it also... Right. They can't make their spouse, like, the purpose of their existence. Right. But it also comes in the form of low, lower-level things like oh, I have to be here watching this TV show every time this week, and if I miss it, like, it's going to ruin my week, right? That's an attachment. So, right. And, and basically, anything is up for this. It's not a thing that only hits certain things. It's a thing that everything is up for. You can be attached to sleep. You can be attached to food. You can be attached to pleasure. You can be attached to uh, being alone and not interacting with people there's it's basically everything is everything's on the table and everything is eligible for a disordered attachment right and to sort of you know um separate this from kind of heretical notions Mm -hmm. that you would see in like gnosticism or jansenism or or any kind of belief that sort of hates the uh, material world Right. It's not detachment because these things are bad. It's detachment because they are good. Um, sure. But they're not the highest good. But because, you know, in our quest for good, 
you know, we can get attached to these things instead of focusing our attachment to God. Right. So they, they wouldn't really be able to be sort of substitute goods if they were bad. Um, and, you know, a lot of times I think to an outward observer, you wouldn't necessarily be able to look and say, oh, so-and-so is detached. I mean, if you go and snatch somebody's cell phone from them, you'll figure out pretty quickly, you know, whether or not they're attached or detached from their cell phone. Absolutely. But, um, but you know, you can be detached and, and have a cell phone. Um, you know, it, it's not, um, you don't want to take it into like Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not the idea that you should just give up every single thing and wander aimlessly throughout life. Like, no, these things are put there and you even said something about bad things, but it's, there's no bad thing. They're just lesser goods. Right. So we have these, well, yeah, everything created, right? So we have these lesser goods, which are still a good, but they have to be ordered towards the higher good. It's uh right. It, in my life, may may I take a second and talk about my life for a second, Zach? Oh, please do. Oh, please thank do. you, thank you. Um, so it's weird for me because I know this idea and I accept that this is true. But like any human, I also try and throw my own little twist on it to try and make this truth more suitable to my desire for attachment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's tough for me because sometimes I feel like letting go of things also in my mind, I'm like, well, that, that just means you don't care. Like it's nice to care and nice to be, you know, um, be passionate about something or be, uh, you know, just like have some sort of life or some sort of emotion towards an object. Right. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like it's, it can be, I get it all mixed up in my head of, Oh no, really by hanging on to this, this thing, I'm actually caring and I'm actually being a, a breathing human. Right. When maybe I should be letting go of it. Does that, does that make sense? Do you ever feel that? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Cause sometimes also, in life, you know, when you're not in the best place, you just look for anything you possibly can to get a victory or to get a win. And sometimes mm-hmm. you hold on to that a little too long when you should be letting it go for the greater good. Like if you're hanging on to some notion, maybe what God really wants for you is right around the corner, but you're not willing to go there because you're still stuck on that old street. Right. So, yeah, so that's what right. I, I notice in my life that I, I face because, I mean, we all want wins and we all want comfort, right? So, but sometimes we have to shre- sh- what is it? shed that comfort and, I don't know, take a, <laughs> take a chance on uh, detaching because it'll lead to something greater. Right, you have to trust God's providence. So it's not this thing that you have that you're attached to that, um, you know, provides for your well-being it's it's god that does that and so you know if you if you lose something even your job um you know it wasn't your job that was providing for your well-being it it was god and you haven't lost god um and so being able to be detached allows you to trust that god will 
provide and you can really sidestep a lot of anxiety. Now, I'm definitely not there yet. Like, mm-hmm. I would be, I love my job, first of all, but I would be pretty freaked out were I to lose it because, you know, I mean, I got to pay rent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're not getting the donations that we should be from uh, from Patreon. <laughs> uh, just kidding. We don't have Patreon. Right. Um, but, you know, but working towards that is important, and that's why it's good to sort of understand um, what attachments are. So there are three categories of attachments. Do you want to try to guess them? You may already know them, but... Um, is the three categories of attachments. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give you an acronym, and the acronym is WOO. Woo, like W O O W O O, yes. Like the last so the name one. of great action director John Woo. Absolutely. Worldly attachments. Yes. So the world. That's the first one. Second one. Um. Uh. There's a lot of O's. I'll just give it to you. Yeah. Just others. Do, yeah. Uh, so the world, others, and then the last O. Um, is ourselves okay okay so the three categories of detachment are detach or sorry attachments are attachments to the world attachments to others attachments to ourselves okay makes sense um, the world the world would be uh the goods within the world like the the things of the world others yes. i mean you could just properly just say things yeah um you know, your house, your cars, furniture. Mm-hmm. This includes family heirlooms, which I, I think is interesting because I we don't necessarily have heirlooms in my family, but there are things I have that remind me of, you know, family members who have, have died or things. Right. And obviously those things do sort of have a higher place than, you know, something I just bought for myself at, at Target or something. Sure. Um, or like the new microphone that I'm using, right? Um you know, basically anything you can point to is how it's uh, how it's been described to me. Right? Can and, I? Uh, I'll interject in with that. We. So my brother is getting married in three months, and mm-hmm. he's getting his house prepared for when the wife moves in, the future wife moves in. Which means that. I have to take all of my stuff and my other brother has to take all of his stuff out of that house. Now, I moved to Los Angeles nine years ago and I left over half of my stuff in his house. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so now there's just a ton of my stuff that I've been sorting through whenever I go back to Phoenix and they are all attachments. I can give you great reasons for why I need every single thing that I left there. But I mm-hmm. I don't know what I actually need. And I I have been doing a good job of throwing things out and giving away, but it just seems to multiply. Every time I get rid of a box, two more boxes appear, right? It should be if I had perfect detachment I would just get rid of all of it in one go, right? Because it's not necessarily stuff that I need, but I'm still in some way attached to some of that stuff, so I take it slowly. I do it basically piece by piece whenever I go back and visit my family. Right. And But, I mean, I, I should be able to just chuck it all out, but I can't but I realize I can't 
So instead of sitting there and just wallowing in the sadness for my not perfect attachment, I take it bit by bit. Right. And so what St. Augustine used to say, or probably still says, <laughs> is uh, if you possess a thing, it possesses you. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that actually reminds me of, like, did you have a dog growing up? I had a cat. Oh, okay. That explains so much. I know, um, right? But no, so with, you know, with dogs, if you have a toy, like a chew toy or a rope toy or whatever, they bite down on it and you can... I mean, even big dogs, I, you can basically just drag them around everywhere because they're just so focused on not letting go of that thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Well, that's one of the reasons that, like, material things, it's, it's sort of similar with people. So, like, you go and buy something because you think it's going to make you happy, um, but then all of a sudden you have to make sure to lock it up, you have to check on it all the time, you know, you you get home and maybe you forgot to lock the door and you run in and see, like, okay, did you know did somebody break in? Did I get something stolen? Um, you know, it, it's there and it kind of drags you around and, you know, that's, none of that's sinful. I mean, it's not sinful to be worried that something that you put, spent money on got stolen or broken. Um, but you know, it, it's an imperfection and it creates these anxieties and these emotions, um, when you could be more focused on God, oh, it's um, so but also stressful, it can man. lead, it, it can lead to sin though. I mean, you can, you can become sinfully angry, like if somebody breaks something of yours or you know, um, right. This would actually take perfect care of it. This would actually be a good pair for the Jake podcast. Jake talks. We talk a lot about things like that. We talk about uh, possessions in that podcast. Kind of. We talk about attachments in a way. Right. I mean, literally, besides this microphone that I'm talking to you on, I've not bought anything since the Jake podcast that I can't eat or that wasn't intended to be given away instantly oh he i um, i told jake i messaged him and told him because of him i've been given away stuff he he really brought the catholic guilt on that episode and i'm glad he did it was great it was very eye-opening yeah well and it's just it's very freeing i mean that's the thing is that like to just not have to worry about those things i mean imagine you know of course, heaven forbid, like a tornado knocks down your house. Going up in Oklahoma, this was like a you know a thing that could happen. Sure. Um, and not being worried about the stuff, just being worried about the people, you know, and not not thinking, oh, here we go, like a million years of insurance proceedings and all my right. stuff's broken. But just being able to think purely about, you know, did everybody get out safely? Um, and so that's that's the thing um, is that you can go too far with this if you like don't take care of your finances or don't care about your job or you know you're not buying the things that you do need to take care of yourself and your family according to your state in life that's also disordered sure right i mean you know within your means you should have appropriate clothing so that you look nice um and that you don't you know stand out you know it's part of modesty so you don't want to stand out for being um you know always underdressed um but you also don't want to stand out for being overdressed and i think that people probably tend more towards the excess on this um, but I think it can be tempting to go to the defect and just totally, you know, not care about, um, about you know, your appearance or making sure to take care of your home and your possessions. You know, part of the detachment is still, you know, stewardship and understanding that God has, you know, if you should own something, you should also take care of it. And, right. Um, 
you know, understanding the, the social virtues and the virtues necessary for a society is where you avoid some of these errors that think, okay, now that I'm a Christian, now that I'm a Catholic, I'm just going to become a complete slob, yeah. you know, Jesus wore sandals, yada, yada. It's almost um, like there's a passage in the Bible that talks about if you're fasting, make sure to clean your face so people don't know that you're fasting. Exactly. Well, exactly. And I mean, you know, it, you know, as Catholics, we're going to go to Mass every Sunday and Holy Days of Obligation. You know, if you're a man, you should have a suit. I mean, you can get one for pretty good price, you know, if you shop around. Mm-hmm. And if you take excellent care of it, it's a, you know, it can be a one-time investment that you can wear to Mass, to weddings, to right. to things. Um, you know, obviously, daily Mass, people tend to just wear whatever they're going to work in. I always like to see people in, you know work uniforms, because I, I think that the church sort of lost all of the working class members um, in the 70s and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to go to Mass and see people that, you know, are in their, their union, you know, uniforms and all that. Sure. Um, but so it, you don't want to take it to the, uh, you know, you don't want to be excessive in the things that you own, but you also don't want to go to the defect. And there is a certain amount of things that you need in order to provide for yourself and your Family, um, so it, it's a tight line. Like I, I just couldn't imagine finding out that I'd lost my job and and not being anxious and worried and you know freaking out. But right, you know, detachment would mean that my first thought, where I you know a real saint, would be I would just think, okay, well this is God's providence and He's going to provide for me and you know what a beautiful opportunity I have to trust that. Now, that would not be my first, second, third, fourth. I mean, I'd, I'd maybe get there. I don't know. You'd probably help me get there. but uh, Maybe. It's tough. Yeah. So are we good on material things, which we would say includes things like jobs? And, you know, one thing probably controversial is that pets would fall into this. And I don't know if we want to open that can of worms. But. <laughs> you said it. It's all right. We don't need to expound on it. Yeah, be be reasonable with your pets, people. Right. I say that as someone who loves dogs. Sure. Okay, the so, next one is others. Yes, other people. This is a tricky one because this is where the coldness comes in, I think. Material possessions are one thing, but when you're talking about other people, that is a completely different issue because you, I mean, it's a different type of love, right? So, um, I mean, this, it, to put it bluntly, this is like people are, you know, people, like you said earlier, people are going to die. So we have to be detached from the idea that we will not be around our loved ones forever. Now I'm not quite sure how to practice perfect detachment. If a loved one were to die, were to die, but I mean, we, it, we have to know it's like a proper grieving period, right? You, you can grieve it doesn't mean you can't grieve but it means after a while that your life shouldn't be completely shut down basically right i mean you have to kind of think that attachment is a perfection detachment is an imperfection and so um you know unless you are already at like the very high you know kind of we talked about levels of prayer unless you're already at you know the transforming union you know not sinning venially etc mm-hmm. etc you're probably not going to have perfect detachment from your family, especially if they were to die. Right. Um, you know, I personally fail at this. I mean, I uh, I think it can be really hard to um, 
to be detached. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's another person, you know, they have a soul, they're created by God. And, you know, I've always found this kind of difficult to understand, you know, but I, I see why it's necessary, but how to do it is beyond me. Right. But again, it's not, if, if someone you love dies, it's not the idea that you can't cry about it or you can't be sad about it, even for an extended period of time. It's just putting it in its, in its proper context, right? That, um, hopefully this person was in a state of grace when they died and everyone is going to die eventually but it doesn't mean that you can't feel any of the emotions it just the the attachment would come for never leaving the house again or never wanting to talk to anyone else again or not even wanting to talk about the person that died because it's too painful like at some point um those are the things that are the attachments right and right okay go what are you saying well a uh, a way to think about it is imagine it's you know somebody a friend a family member a spouse whatever um imagine if you knew either because they told you or you know your guardian angel told you or whatever that god was calling that person to be a martyr okay would you would you be able to accept that that they were going to become a martyr you know you know, triumphantly enter heaven with a martyr's crown. Right. Um, but that they were going to suffer and you were no longer going to, uh, to have them around. Well, what would you do? Yeah. So I actually have thought about this because remember it's probably what, maybe three years ago now. Remember that shooting, there was a shooting in France at a concert where a bunch of guys ran in mm-hmm. and started 2015. Shooting. I was almost in France that weekend. Like I literally had, a standby ticket and there were lots of open seats and at the last minute I canceled. So, so hey. two, uh, two people we know were on a honeymoon in France at that time. But one of the guys, uh, he jumped on either someone who had a bomb strapped to him or one of the people who were firing a gun and he jumped on that guy to subdue him and lost his life and saved others. So, basically you can think that that guy died and went immediately to heaven because he sacrificed himself for the good of others. Now for his family, it, it's not like you're going to show up to the funeral and be like, yeah, I know, uh, I know you really miss Steve, but guess what? He sacrificed himself so that others can live and he's probably in heaven right now. So get over it. Like that's not what you want to do, but there's at some point, I guess it would be cool to realize that when it was when it came to it, this person you loved really stepped up and made the most of that moment that many people wouldn't. Right. And, you know, I mean, again, that's sort of the thing. It was would you hold them back from doing something heroic that God's calling them to do um, because you would lose them. Right. Yeah, that's a... Uh, It's hard to think about, though. I mean, it's tricky and... You know, I know for me personally, I think there's like nothing worse than, um, than like, you know, losing a friend, you know, even if like, you you know, you need to be detached and like, accept that, you know, it may not be God's will at the time. I just think it's like the worst thing to go through. And so growing in this, I think would save me, but also anyone, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stress of putting your trust in God and not being too attached to, um, individuals 
Right. It, it, it would be tough to tell a military wife to not be so stressed out every day her husband is over in Afghanistan, but um, there is something, there is something within that. There's another form of attachment with others. Allow me to fire up the Roman Circus hot take machine. Oh, here we go. Posting Instagrams of you and your girlfriend or boyfriend all the time doing stuff, I think is an unhealthy attachment. Not because I don't like the idea of love, if you can even call that love, but yeah, this is a person that you have made no commitment to that can be, and every time you post something or have some like outward sign of this, this, what these people uh, call love, right? Is just Mm -hmm. forming more of an attachment over and over and over. And then the instant that relationship is no more, you have all these photos and all these things just hanging on to you. And it makes it almost impossible to detach from this person or so I would think. Yeah. I mean, it's always kind of heartbreaking to see people go through a breakup. Yeah. And it's one reason that, you know, the advice I've been given and hopefully we'll stick to, you know, if, if God's will is at the time come is to, to not, not be, you know, courting or dating someone for just months and months and years and years and years, you know, I mean, kind of get to know them, discern marriage, which is a really fun process. You know, it's not like a, you know, job interview. Um, and you know, if you can't see yourself marrying them after say six months, not, marrying them tomorrow but if if at six months the idea of marrying this person is just not even entering your mind then you know move on um well you know in charity don't take up their time but also for yourself like don't don't let such a huge you know portion of your background be consumed with somebody who hasn't made you know a lifetime commitment to you because it's just whole chapters of your life that you'll you'll be sad about you know right well that's kind of my point was not necessarily all that, but more of the the little things that you're doing to add attachment to this relationship that is by no means anywhere close to a commitment. But it's you're just you're just adding things onto it that, and you should be able within knowing these people to drop the re- the relationship very quickly if it turns out they're not someone you're going to marry and. By, you know, being attached in a way of social media or taking pleasure out of using these terms, boyfriend and girlfriend for these people, this all just adds to this attachment that is all like virtually impossible to shred for some people. So, um, right. I mean, it's one of those things where if you start dating somebody, there are exactly two outcomes. Okay. You will either marry them or you will break up and so you know never thinking about either of those things and just going on and on and on for years and years i mean to be honest there are people who were courting for years and engaged for years and went on to have extremely happy holy marriages that you know most people would aspire to so again it's not like a a foolproof thing it's just that as a general recommendation you know get the commitment from them because uh 
Well, it's important to you know, see You can what... start your new life together, and that'll be beautiful. I mean, you know, the, the, world, the world's way of doing things doesn't make most people happy. Right. And I, I think starting your new life married to somebody, you know, sooner. I mean, I, I know plenty of couples that, you know, six months was when they start, kind of started discussing the concept of marriage. And, you know, within a year or so of when they first started, uh, you know, seeing each other, they, they got married. I mean, um, sure. well, it's just keep, only so much to find in, out about somebody. Yeah. It's like keeping it in its proper perspective, knowing what the purpose of this friendship is basically. So, yeah. Right. That's, that's so enough. the other type of relationship where people I think get attached to others is with parents. Sure. Um, and because I don't have children, I can't really speak from any, remote experience on this but there's a cool example from uh from church history that you're probably very familiar with is that you know saint thomas the angelic doctor you know the greatest mind in in all of you know i don't know human history maybe well Uh, second to jordan peterson but oh yeah second of course to jordan peterson god himself by his own description (laughs) um but i'm just kidding but um yeah, so St. Thomas, um, his parents really didn't want him to be a Dominican. Right. And uh, so they, like, kidnapped him and locked him in a tower. And uh, they sent a woman of, of the night up to tempt him against oh, yeah. the Sixth and Ninth Commandments. Right. Um, and, you know, that's sort of born out of an attachment that they had to him. Now, if you notice, God used that attachment that was, you know, obviously disordered since he was called to be the angelic doctor and they were tampering with that. But he used that to give Thomas a chance to grow in virtue. And so as, sure. a, as any virtuous man would do, he, he chased her out with a, um, with what, a, uh, what was it? I'm going blank. Um, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a hot poker or something like that. I don't know. Yes. Pretty- well, anyway, he, oh yeah. A hot poker from the fireplace. He chased her out of the room and then, um, uh, God sent him an angel who uh, put a cincture around his waist, uh, causing him so much pain that he cried out. Right. And then he never actually had a single thought against the Sixth or Ninth Commandment. And I think that's probably what cleared up his mind to, to write the Summa and, and do all of those great things that he did. And obviously, married life is is a great good that he was giving up. So, you know, that's a form of, of detachment in itself. Um, right. You know, you hear about people who... Uh, want to be married, but they also want to be priest, and and you can just see the detachment in that. And you know, all of us lay people that know that we're not called to the priesthood are like, no, please, like, don't let those guys be priests. We don't want them. We do not want them. Um, but you know, they they're talking about doing it, and I mean, I, I think that, I mean, it's a terrible idea. Um, you're if you if you can't forego the call of marriage to be a priest, it's because you're not called to be a priest. Right. So. Um, you know that the council on that that they're going to do the synod should be like five minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I digress. Um, you know, again, it the tough thing with all of this is that it it almost seems like a detachment must be easy. You know, in a monastery where you're not seeing the outside world, we have to actually live in the world but still remain detached from it at all times. Right, and I, I think that's why. You know we get a lot of practice with this and God obviously doesn't demand perfection from us, but we should be, you know, striving for it. And Mm -hmm. so that's detachment from others. Um, I think attachment to others is probably one of the big 
things holding back the number of vocations. Sure. Because, you know, parents may discourage, you know, if they only have one or two children, which is kind of the sad state of the world right now, um, they're probably going to discourage them from, you know, entering a monastery or becoming a priest because, you know, then they're not going to have grandchildren. Right. Yada, yada. Um, so, you know, developing detachment from others in a, a holy sense, not like a cold sense, would uh, would surely help with the vocations shortage um, to the extent that, that people want that shortage to end. Sure. All right. Should we move on to the third one, detachment from ourselves? Yes. Now, this is not something you can achieve with a mind-altering substance. But people try. Maybe. Just kidding. I think this one is is obviously the. M- it's difficult to talk about, partially because you know, like you don't want to be selfish or prideful, but then at the same time, it's like, how do you describe, you know, attachment or detachment from yourself? Well, it's like not being too obsessed with how you look obviously or not being obsessed with your how much you know this this could be a different form of attachment to goods but in the terms of not being obsessed with your title at work or not being obsessed with how much you do something else good or you know the the how you look in the clothes or how you look in the relationship so i think it's all it's all the other other stuff but in just in pure terms of your involvement in that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and I think a good kind of uh, way that it's been phrased to me is that you sort of have to say the only thing that's that's yours that you're responsible for in right. yourself are your sins, and then oh, everything that's what else. We have. That's what's ours. This our our sin is all ours. Right, and then everything else comes from God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you try to apply that, you know, as fully as possible, then then I think you're on your way to detachment from self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we, we love, we love us some us. I love me some me, Zach. Right. And, I mean, you kind of have, like, your lower sins that are sort of with the flesh, mm-hmm. which come from attachment, things like gluttony, mm-hmm. and then, of course, you know, sins against the Sixth and Ninth Commandment. Um, but then also, like, sloth and laziness. I mean, again, all of those are, are, in a sense, sort of an attachment to yourself, to your own comfort, kind of a fixation on on you. Right. And... You know, gluttony is a much more robust thing than people realize. It's not just, you know, eating yourself to death. I mean, it's also just the desire to have, you know, only the finest possible food. Right. Um, e- eating eating too much, eating too little, eating too daintily, and eating too... Um, uh, what's the... Yeah, just... the fi- Is that daintily, the finest food? What's the other one I'm missing? Um, I'm not really sure. Eating, eating too uh, pickle, pickly, picky, picky, yeah, finicky, finicky. Yeah, I mean that's obviously my anyone that knows me knows I'm a very picky eater, so I try to uh, I try to mortify that as I can. Sure. Um, but you know the big thing, if you think about it, like what is the opposite action of like all of these? Ta- like 
temperance and well i would say basically prayer i mean if you think oh. about prayer you're obviously not stuffing your face with all the finest foods that right. you're praying you know you're, right. you're certainly not committing sins against the sixth and ninth commandment and you're not being slothful because prayer is very hard and it takes a lot out of you sure and so i think the the key there is is really you know prayer and then a healthy sense of, of mortification and maybe we should do an episode on mortification so people know what we're talking about with that yeah um i think people tend towards not doing much mortification but then because of that there's no real appreciation for like the middle ground that the church proposes on that so then you've got people you know too hardcore and again that's sort of a form of attachment too it's like i'm so great i can fast you know every day and i can you know beat myself up and wear a hair shirt or you know whatever that's that's it's still attachment you know there's this thing called p uh not p90x exodus 90 where you have to give yeah. up a, a bunch of stuff for 90 days and i was talking with a buddy about how i can't do that because it i wouldn't get the benefit of it i would just do it as like a challenge and i would just do it to prove that i could do it i wouldn't gain anything spiritual out of it because i would just be doing it to show everyone i could do it and that's right and that's kind of a not that's not mortification that's a an attach that's an attachment to winning challenges i remember the show double dare zach i would have been so good on those challenges I, i'm the best at challenges and i would have wanted to challenges, prove it to challenges. everyone but, right yeah and you know again like that's why it you can't necessarily look at somebody and and know whether they're attached or not because you know somebody who you know seems to you know not spoil themselves not you know quote unquote treat yourself um <laughs> you know not be just obsessed with self-care mm-hmm. to the millionth degree they may be still kind of attached to like i'm awesome because you know i can take on all these penances at once and, and that's why it's really something to work out with with a spiritual director right you know? um so that's like the main ones the world ourselves and others um, a tricky one that's kind of another category is spiritual goods because ultimately God is our focus, you know? And there can be things that are spiritually edifying unless we become too attached to them. You know, right. cough, Medjugorje, cough. Um, <laughs> or, you know, and again, this gets dicey, but there's certain gifts that God gives people to manifest his greatness mm-hmm. um, that have nothing to do with the person that he gives them to. Sure. Those, those are things like apparitions, of course, but also speaking in tongues and et cetera, et cetera. And it would be to to seek out those things as opposed to just passively receive them from God should he choose you to you know manifest this greatness of his would be attached. And you know we're going to get like a lot of, of death threats and hate mail for saying that, so we'll maybe not spend a lot of time on on that point. Yeah, that's fine. We're running kind of long. We'll anyway. do a charismatic episode uh, one day, right? Oh yeah, I can't wait for that. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> All right, we have a listener question. Do you want to answer this listener question, Zach? Yes, yes. Very attached to our listeners. Let's hear the question. Very, very attached. It's from at Scotty Nodak, friend of the show. This is a the show. This is a very good question and it I don't know if it's controversial, but we don't shy away from controversy. Never. Will slash can 
newly canonized saints ever be added to the traditional calendar? Do we dare attempt such changes? Okay, so he's talking about the pre-Vatican II calendar, um, which I had never thought... Well, it's still our calendar today, very much post-Vatican II, but kind of the the calendar for the extraordinary form. Right, Um, and I had never thought about this before he had messaged us, but it is an interesting question. So uh, I I texted a priest, friend of the show, Father, uh, what did we call him, Father Bitcoin? Father Bitcoin. I texted him about it because he is a FSSP priest who does the Latin Mass, so I can give you his answer, or do you want to give your answer first? What do you want? Um, Sure, I mean, I've thought of this because there's obviously saints... Um, you know, so just to give some background, the the calendar that's used um, for the traditional mass, kind of the Latin mass, if you will, mm-hmm. is the calendar that was enforced in 1962, mm-hmm. because that's the missile that we use. And so, um, you know, obviously that calendar didn't just fall out of the sky. There's nothing magic about it. It's just the one that um, is used because it was the last one before some of the really heavy-handed changes came into effect in 1965 and then 1969 with kind of the the advent of the Novus Ordo Mass. Right. Um, so that's the one. And, um, you know, I I think we've got to just stick with it for now because I, I can't think of... It's kind of like you're at Disney World, right? Okay. And you, you lose your family, okay? And you lose them right outside of It's a Small World After All, which is a cool ride, but maybe not the greatest ride, but it's the one that you last saw everybody at, right? Okay. You could sit there and sort of suppose, well, okay, my dad really likes, you know, the Carousel of Progress, so I'm going to go over to Tomorrowland and wait for him there. You know, um, my mom hates water rides, so she's not going to be on Splash Mountain, Um Maybe I'll go find her near the princess castle, yada yada. But really, the smartest thing to do is to just stay put at It's a Small World and wait for everybody else to come back. And so, you know, if we think about all of the chaos that has happened and, and all of the, you know, divisions and the infighting in the church that sort of was unleashed in the 1960s, we've kind of lost each other in a sense. And the best thing to do is just to wait there. And so I don't think that it's a good idea to to open up the uh, the sixty two rituals and change them. And I don't know that there's anybody I would trust to actually do that. And you'd have to kind of yeah. You know, I don't know that it wouldn't create more splinters or you know. Well, that's what I was cause... gonna say. Is it it could open potentially the door to more set of accountants or you know offshoots, just kind of because. I mean, people, this, I don't know if it would be an attachment, but people like the way things are, or they, they want their say in the way things are, so it's pro- it would probably be best to just let it lie for now. Right, you know, for now, because I, I think that right now, you know, we're still digesting things, right? You know, the, there was this idea that has since, you know, totally died out of doing a reform of the reform and, and making changes to... Uh, the Novus Ordo to, um, you know, this and that. And, you know, most of that has been reversed since Pope Benedict resigned. And so, you know, but I think people had to try that idea out for size. And then I think now they're kind of realizing that, 
you know, the, the traditional mask, you know, isn't going to require, you know, a lot of intensive reworking, you know, like what they're wanting to do. And you don't have to go on letter writing campaigns to get your parish's tabernacle moved to the spot you wanted at, yada, yada. Right. Um, but there is, you know, an option because so any saint that's in the martyrology, so like, you know, the saints, um, can be celebrated uh, with like a votive mass like on a Sunday. Right. So you just figure out what kind of saint they were. You know, were they a virgin? Were they a bishop, not a martyr? Yada, yada. You pull up the common for that. Um, and you can you can celebrate mass for that saint, you know, without it being on, you know, the universal calendar for your uh, rite or form mm-hmm. at the time. So if you wanted to celebrate, you know, St. Pio, who was, was canonized after 62... Um, you could just do the uh, the um, common of confessors and and have a, a PO mass. Right. Yeah, that's what Father Bitcoin said. He said the changing the uh, calendar of the Universal Catholic Church is a very complicated thing to do. You can always use the common of a confessor or something for a votive mass. So yeah, I think that's good. It it is kind of sticky and it. I don't know. It it sounds. I don't. It, it, to me, it, it's a tough question, obviously. But I think I think your answer was good, and um, Father Bitcoin, obviously, his answer is good. He knows what he's talking about. But so yeah. Until then, it doesn't mean these saints can't be celebrated. Like like you said, those the common or the votive mass are great ways to celebrate the saints. So we can still celebrate them. Right, and you know most of these saints, we're celebrating them, um, you know, by attending the mass that they attended. Sure. Right. Um, you know, so for you know nineteen hundred and seventy years, they were, you know, going to mass in Latin. You know, other than the Eastern saints, of course. Right. Um, and so you know, you, you're you're kind of always celebrating uh, Saint Pio when you go to the mass that that he celebrated. You know, he never he never witnessed the Novus Ordo before he died. So. Uh, or he never celebrated it, at least. I know that's yeah. a thing. So, you know, you're, you're celebrating all the saints, you know, simply by attending the, the ritual that that was so dear to them. Sure. Uh, with that, should we have a saint of the week? We haven't had a saint of the week in a while. I've been slipping, and I apologize, but this yeah, week... Yeah, I guess that's saint of the year then, right? <laughs> yeah. This week's saint is St. Vincent de Paul. Feast day, July 19th. St. Vincent de Paul, we've all heard of him because of these charities that are in his name. He was a fr- Yeah, the saint of uh, the clothing you no longer want. Right. He was a French Roman Catholic priest who dedicated himself to serving the poor. He's the patron of charities, horses, hospitals, Madagascar, Richmond, Virginia, prisoners, leprosy, spiritual help, and volunteers. He, as legend has it, he was actually sold into slavery for two years in 1605 to 1607. Um, There's questions about the accounts of the events, but the letters that apparently have all this stuff in here are pretty much kind of agreed upon that they were written by St. Vincent. But... After he was enslaved, he returned. To, uh, after he was enslaved and returned to France, he went to Rome and continued his studies. Then he was sent back to France on a mission to King Henry the Fourth, 
and he made some acquaintances there and um, he took on spiritual advisors but then when King Louis the 13th died and Queen Anne had her husband's will annulled she basically nominated St. Vincent de Paul as her spiritual advisor and he helped her with um, religious policy and fighting Jansenism. So oh, good. You can't ever be too hard on the Jansenists. No. I'm glad that he was able to do that. He contacted the Daughters of Charity in 1617, and uh, they introduced him to poor families, and that's kind of when he got his, got his start on on that side of his life, what he basically became known for. And now we have the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, which was started in 1813 by French university students, which I didn't know. So if only they could see their work today. But yeah. Well, St. Vincent de Paul, pray for us, and uh, be sure to drop off all your gently used items at your uh, nearest Vincent de Paul, am I right? Yeah, it's actually, it's good that we were talking about detachment and giving away your clothing to charity, and then we're doing St. Vincent de Paul as the saint of the week. It all comes full circle, Zach. Full circle. Boom. Yeah. All right, well, great great episode to, uh, great episode quality. All the people can hear, hear your voice very clearly, and we hope they enjoy it. I'm very, very glad to have this breakthrough in modern technology. Yes, corded microphones. A huge, huge advantage that we now have. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure and tweet us at, at Roman Circus Pod, and Matt will uh, relay your tweets to me, even though some of them are kind of mean. Never. Cough, Hannah, cough. Yeah. <laughs> JK, JK. All right, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Zach, I'll talk with you next week. See ya. See ya.